Agoh. Agoh. Okay, so this is a Ghanaian uh, kind of uh, greeting, but it's when you when you are in a crowd, you are gathered, and uh, dialogue is going on, and I need your attention. I actually have to ask for it. So when I say ago, it's a way of saying, do I have your permission to begin? Then you say, oh, yeah, you do have your, my, our permission. So once you give me that permission, <laughs> then it's on. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's how that works. So uh, thank you, everybody, for coming to the Sacramento Poetry Center. Uh, actually, welcome to the first third Monday of uh, 2017. Uh, I didn't get the first Monday, so that would have been nice to say, uh, welcome to the first Monday, but this is the third Monday, uh, the first one, so that still counts. Uh, okay, so we have, um, you know, a, uh, quite a long uh, lineup here in terms of um, Technology, technology, technology. All right, so it's great to see you. Uh, as you can tell, I'm a little rusty. You know, a new year, uh, new hosting opportunity, right? <laughs> yeah, so I have to figure out exactly how this is going to work in 2017. So thank you. You are helping me on this journey uh, for 2017. Uh, we do have quite a few. Uh, I consider these poets my friends in the sense that uh, if I have an event, <laughs> no, they really... Help me out. So if I have an event, uh, there's a blank space. I haven't uh, found any poets. I quickly shoot an, uh, a message, and they're like, "Oh yes, yes." You know. <laughs> so this helps out a lot. Uh, and thank you so much uh, for doing that. So we do have uh, straight out scribes. <laughs> All right. Answer R. Uh, Lawrence Dinkins Jr. Answer R. <laughs> Sean King, and of course, M.E. Miller, Michael Ellis. All right. And don't forget about yourselves, too. Uh, you are here, poets. You know, uh, big applause for yourselves, too, for coming. All right. Okay, so, no, I, I was on my way here uh, all the way from Elk Grove. Somewhere on Florin discovered I, I didn't bring the keys to the door. <laughs> so then I had to go back all the way to the end of Elk Grove there. <laughs> yeah, but thank you for waiting. Those who I found, whom I found uh, waiting outside nicely, there was a line. I liked that, you know. A line for poetry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, what I'm going to do, I mean, when I'm working with these guys, in fact, I, always, I almost, I'm like, answer, can you just host this, you know? <laughs> so we are, they are co-hosts, we have hosted together, so it's almost like, am I the host? The only difference is I didn't bring my own poetry, uh, otherwise I'll just sit back and we just read. So what I'm going to do is uh, introduce them pretty much at right now so that when the reading begins they are just uh you know taking turns right so the lineup is going to go this way so we have nsr opening up uh so of course if you didn't if you don't know who he is uh nsr uh also known as lawrence dinkins pen name nsr pronounced nsr <laughs> 
I'm reading everything here. <laughs> okay, is a, uh, as you know, is a fine and brim, uh, brimstone urban poet seasoned with sex, reflection, tongue-in-cheek, wit, and cautious hope in the human race. Uh, the self-described pessimistic, optimistic believes poetry has purpose beyond beautifying bookshelves. Uh, he experiments with combining poetry with music, and he brought, I see he was setting up something here. No music tonight. Uh, recordings, video, visual art. He has several chapbooks uh, and CDs, and his collection of art, photography, and poetry, as well, uh, open mic sketchbook, is available from uh, Little M Press. Lawrence frequently attends, performs at, and hosts poetry and new music events in Sacramento and elsewhere in Northern California. So you remember those who, go, who went to uh, the Poet Laureate reading uh, at Crest Theater, uh, Lawrence did open that as well, which was a powerful opening. So you can always count on him on doing that. So after he gives us his piece uh, about the human condition, <laughs> we are going to... <laughs> <laughs> we are going to move on to uh, M.E. Miller, also known as uh, Michael Ellis. He was professionally published before he graduated from high school. Uh, his dialect poems, Black Shoes and What You Are Stealing For, were enough to impress the University of, uh, is that Paget Sound, where he majored in English and minored in journalism. Six years later, Ellis went to the page uh, from the page to the stage, performing in more than a hundred readings. He became an orator and dramatic, a dramatist, teaching himself. Uh, this is so small, I, I should have printed it. <laughs> teaching himself to perform in more than 20 unique voices. Yeah, I've witnessed this as well, uh, the voice thing. He became, oh, and he's sitting right there. Hey. <laughs> All right, he became an orator. We, did, we said that already, right? He used his ability more often to help people who were victims of abuse and injustice. On stage, he tells uh, stories by combining prose, poetry, naming his style prosetry. He is currently a teacher of writing at Sacramento State Prison and has taught se at several public schools. He's the co-founder of Keynote Poets. Uh, he, a few years back, he featured me uh, as one of the keynote poets. Keynote, I felt quite important <laughs> as well. Thank you for that. All right. Okay, of course, we, we do have um, the third act of the night. Uh, Sean King is a 43-year-old computer engineer, poet, spoken word artist, published author, youth, youth editor for Sacramento Newsletter, mentor, father, husband, and active in conducting workshops and discussions, ranging from Black Lives Matter to hip hop to job interview skills uh, to writing. Sean has been writing and performing poetry for 22 years. He has graced classrooms, auditoriums, stages, weddings, has made radio and TV appearances, featured in other publications such as Sacramento Voices. Sean is most proud of having the opportunity to touch lives in a positive way at the end of the day, his only goal is to use the talent he's been given to make humanity as a whole better. 
All right. And uh, again, you, you have uh, seen them frequently in different venues in, in the Sacramento region and beyond. Uh, straight out scribes. Uh, thank you. So this is a mother-daughter uh, duo uh, featuring Dr. V.S. Chochezi and Star Jabu. Star Jabu. So they are a, a dynamic poetry duo which is still in full effect as they embrace the new year. Welcome to 2017. If you want to get the year off to an uplifting, inspiring start, uh, come share some positive vibes with Straight Out Scribes. Dr. V.S. Choches and Star Jabu, also known as Straight Out Scribes, have published and performed their original poetry at numerous uh, events. Uh, they have publications, uh, seven books of poetry, one sci-fi anthology and two CD compilations. So I hope you brought all these books, right? So you can uh, purchase and have discussions and get them signed. They also have produced and coordinated uh, a number of poetry and art-related programs in Sacramento since they settled here in 1991. Often referred to as activist poets, they have lent their voices to such causes as the campaign to save life of Mumia Abjamal, freedom of uh, the Move 9, Leonard Peltier, and other political prisoners. They have supported environmental causes, GLBT rights, and are members of the Zika Creative Arts and Literary Guild of Sacramento. So as you can tell, what a group of talented artists, performers. And of course, uh, this reading is also tagged as the ML MLK reading in memory of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. I, I don't know how many of you got a chance to go walk today. Yeah, so a uh, big day. So we have that as we uh, go through this uh, reading performance. So again, thank you for coming and I will now leave it to the poets uh, to take the stage. Again, the lineup, Answer R, M. E. Miller, Sean King, Straight Out Scribes. Put your hands together for uh, Emmanuel. <laughs> All right, y'all unlucky that I'm going first. Y'all very unlucky. Um, I've been fired up all, all day today. So, yeah, I was like, oh my God, just blah. And then when I, I was, when I got, when I got to the, when I got back to home, I was, I was just so fired up. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm way too fired up. I need to calm my ass down. <laughs> Oh, and if y'all don't know, there's, there's going to be some cur cursing, maybe some hit button that's going to happen up here. So prepare yourself, prepare your ears. Um, <laughs> yes, prepare, because I'm today I'm like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I have a, I have a, some MOK quotes that I like. I got two quotes I want to read. Um, a nation that, continu that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual doom. And um, another one is that I like is uh, human salvation lies in the hands of the creatively male-adjusted. Yes. yes, and I am all the way male-adjusted. Okay. Um, um, I'm a nut. All right, so um, let me try to get this just right. Uh, I don't know where to start. I, 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 there's so much happening. 
especially today i was i was sitting there we was talking about you had black lives matter over here they was they was doing their chant and stuff and then you had the um the mlk march you know the official march because uh, you know the the, M the black lives matter march wasn't really official and so you had police officers holding them back from the from the actual thing that was happening and um and and so it, it was just it was, it was an amazing um view of where we are right now right you have uh so in, in my mind i was like which side would mlk be on which side would martha the king be on because i was thinking i was like which side would he be on i mean and and and, and so uh you know what would jesus do that kind of thing right um so uh what would martha the king do and i, I was thinking like wow you know i wonder which side but i think both sides are are, are cool and they valid um and and um you know and then also, too, I had a conflict, too, because, you know, the lady that had the bullhorn um, for Black Lives Matter, she wasn't black. So <laughs> and she was like, da 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 They were like, da 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 And I was like, okay, all right, all right, I get that. All right. Um. <laughs> so I was conflict. I was conflicted. You know what I'm saying? I was conflicted. Should I repeat what she's saying? I don't know who she is. All right. Um. So I went inside, and they had a great event. It was an awesome event. And... Um, so I guess the, 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 I'm going to read two, I got three short poems, and I have two longer ones, and then I have a, a palate cleanser, and then we go into a serious, because, yeah, palate cleanser, yeah. You know, you know, when you're smelling stuff, you know, you need to smell coffee or something so that you can interrupt what you smell before, because um, these are deep poems, and, um, and to all my um, other than black audience here today, I'm gonna give you official black card. So right now, cause I'm, I'm gonna be talking full black right now. So you guys are officially, you know, don't go, don't go crazy with this black card when I, when I give it to you. Don't go outside and, and you know, <laughs> and drive while black, don't, don't do that. All right. Take, take the card and, and put it away. <laughs> Yes, yes. He has gold in his veins. He has gold in his veins. The black man has gold in his veins. We must strip mine them. We must strip mine them. Dance it out of them. Rap it out of them, jazz, 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 jail it out of them, gold, all that gold. She has gold in her veins. She has gold in her veins. The black woman has gold in her veins. We must strip mine them. We must strip mine them, dance it out of them, fuck it out of them, weave it out of them, gold, all that gold. They have gold in their veins. They have gold in their veins. It sparkles like African diamonds. It flows like African oil. It shines like African sun. All that gold, all that gold. Can't, can't let one drop go to waste. If you enslave them, 
you build a country. If you capture their music, you build an industry. If you work them, you save an economy. If you imprison them, you make bank. If you free them, they build a renaissance. What if Tarzan was black? <laughs> the only survivor of a crashed Greyhound bus. He found himself, as a baby, stranded in dark cul-de-sacs of the suburbs, raised by minivans and box stores, swinging from stoplights and clothes racks running wild across freeways, drinking premium gasoline, wearing a loincloth made from wild khaki, protecting Janiqua from whores of roaming, over-caffeinated commuters. Here's uh, a longer poem, so. We were their servants, their hired hands to build this city. On the other side of the tracks, they set aside sections just for us. And in our little sections, we constructed vibrant neighborhoods, bursting with music, life, culture, and language. But the day came when we looked at the city we built with pride. As servants, we were not satisfied. We rose up, demanded access to the city as equal. But soon thereafter, this city descended into violence, filled with protests, yelling for progress, acceptance. But to our amazement, suddenly, they decided to leave. They tore up our neighborhoods, ripped up the tracks. In a press conference, they told us that they did it for our own protection, for our own good, in the interest of progress. But in truth, it felt like retribution. Because they held the purse, they reallocated resources away from upkeeping the infrastructure. We stood helpless in ruins, giant statues, buildings empty, desolate streets filled with potholes, handcuffed, watching them leave. The activists cried out, abandonment, constructing their exodus. They walled off our neighborhoods with progress, separating aunts from nieces, brothers from sisters, grandparents from grandchildren. They erected their streets in the sky, supported by giant pillars that stood like legs with no thighs, with a footprint so wide it crushed hope itself. They tore up our lives with freeways that wasn't free. 
We pay for those giant monstrosities with the death of our culture. They paid for our dreams with nightmare. They crushed our houses, apartments, and tenements, replaced them with projects and planned housing where we were displaced, where we were corralled, where we were ghettoed. So they flew. Flew away to their spanking new suburban utopia. I remember they spoke with foreign words like commute, cul-de-sac, box store. We watched them leave in exhaust smoke on rubber wings rolling over lanes of concrete and block formation, burning away into the distance with red taillights, powerless, watching them leave. The elders cried out, abandonment. Oddly, every morning in flocks, they returned, riding metal beasts like birds, and every evening they disappeared in smog, discontinued for decades like waves of seasonal birds that flocked to our urban shore daily, always the same. They came, but never did they stay. Yet. We were not alone. They sent sentinels to watch us, contain us, study us, but not even they lived among us. Missing the good old days, the upperly mobile, wealthiest, smartest servants built wing-like beasts of their own out of scrap metal and followed the red taillights to their bright dream-like suburbia, leaving us to fend for ourselves, helpless. Watching them leave, the children cried out, abandonment. After a while, we forgot them, forgot the pain of being forgotten, drowned our plight in alcohol, drugs, debauchery, and religion. In spite of them, we made do. We made music. We made a new urban life. From the ruins, we pieced together a crude culture. But on one hot city day, as the sun rose, reflecting off a of glass and still of buildings condemned, the meta bird that bore them onto our shore each day and each night bore them away to our amazement suddenly stayed. Today, in a press release, they say, for your own protection, for your own good, in the interest of progress, they must tear down the projects and plan housing and tear down the ruins. They speak with new foreign words like urban blight, imminent domain, reverse flight. Here they come, dismounting, dismantling their metal beasts. They gave up their rivers of red taillights for mixed-use living. They are laying down new tracks now. In shock, we watched them come and we all cry out gentrification <laughs> okay I'm gonna do a palate cleanser then I'm gonna end on a deep one so this is your palate cleanser This is an ephrastic poem. It's called Voice Over Internet Primate. Pick up, pick up the phone. It's me. Text me back a video, an email, a Snapchat. <laughs> 
Fill me with flattery, inflate my ego, like me, follow me, look at me when I'm texting at you, speak to me with emoticon. The gap between human and their technology is awful, grotesque, amazing. Pick up, pick up, pick up the phone, it's me, primate, with an atomic bomb, a machine gun, a gene splicer, an SUV, driving down a two-lane dirt road on a cellular level. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> All right, are you ready for this, this last poem? I gave you a pile of cleanser before I went there. <laughs> um, Y'all ready? Um, so science is, uh, um, is, is a very weird thing, and, and how people use science is very weird. Um, you think science is straightforward, but Science gave us the concept of race, right? They gave us this concept of race. It's like, oh, you know, this makes sense. Okay, boom, 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 boom. And then science, nowadays, say there's no such thing as race. <laughs> so he's like, make up your damn mind. <laughs> is there race or is there, isn't there a race? So, um, so to me, it's kind of weird because America is like, so if you look at the demographics of America, you have this, you have, you have uh, people of color rising up to, you know, up to 50%. You know, they get into 50% and all this kind of stuff. And, it's, and to me, it's an, ama it's an amazing thing that um, um, it's almost like the, the kid that is losing um, changed the rules, right? So now you get to the point where they're like, oh, you know, well, okay, so we get into, you know, we have a majority now, so now we get to do things like you guys used to do things. Like, no, 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 because uh, race don't exist. <laughs> You're like, oh, damn it. <laughs> so, so it's like, you can't do that. You know what I'm saying? We played the game that y'all been playing for all these years, for 400 years. It's like, oh, fuck it, you know, you know, it don't, it don't. It don't exist anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, but that's the that's the that's the that's the line right there. That's the goal right there. It's like, no, 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 no. That that's not the goal anymore. That's that's you know. All right, that's out of bounds. That's out of bounds. So um, it's it's fucked up, right? It's like okay. All right. So this is my um, it's called a colorblind poem. I told you, you got the black cards. This is what the black card is for, this last poem. How come when we talk about black, suddenly race doesn't matter? Have you noticed that? It's almost as if it's saint-like to be multicultural. I don't see race. I'm colorblind. The only type of people that don't, see that don't see race are blind people, but I bet they can hear it. When you close your eyes, what does a colorblind person look like? So I guess Jewish people doesn't matter. Go ahead and tell them that, I'll wait. Tell them to stop belly aching about the Holocaust. Chinese should give up Kung Fu chopsticks and Jet Li. The Scottish, their kilts, bagpipes, and haggis. Go ahead, I'll wait, chuck it in the dumpster. I'm colorblind, he says to me with pride. In the next breath, he asks, what do you want to eat tonight? Thai, Italian, Japanese, Chinese. 
What kills me is black folks believe this shit wholeheartedly. We believe in white Jesus. The King James Version is the correct version because it's God's language, like God speak these and thou's posturing like a Shakespearean play in the park. <laughs> Black people believe Jews, Jewish people are the chosen ones. Don't you get it? Every ethnicity believe they are the chosen ones, like every basketball team believe they are champions deep down. Black folk just couldn't possibly be the chosen ones. We wear suits and tie to church like we were born in them. We believe they are garments of special significance like modern day togas. America culture is built on the ideological ruins of the Roman Empire which fail. We see their influences everywhere, from the Washington Monument to White House, even our holidays, Christmas and Easter, I digress. We love European culture so much. I know I do. I even watch the BBC. The question is, why? Have you ever seen England on a map? How does a country so small brainwash a world so big? A people so big, Great Britain. We are true believers. We are true Americans, so much so we only buy American cars because it was built in America, because we are Americans, no. We are Americans because we have nowhere else to go. We are not Americans, we are homeless. But that's a good example on how brainwashed we are. We even believe we are immigrants from the old country. We are all immigrants, he says to me. Can you say my grandfather used to tell me stories when he got off the boat at Ellis Island? No, Negro, wake up. We are non-immigrants. We came here by force. The best word to describe us is hostage with an advanced case of Stockholm Syndrome. Culture, ethnicity, race. These are important words. Examine them closely before discarding. Jewish is a culture. Israeli is an ethnicity. Black is a culture. Nigerian is an ethnicity. We cannot just put black down. Hell, it took us 400 plus years to pick it up. And they want us to give it up just like that. Write it off as if it just didn't happen because of some political correct scientific mumble jumble that says culture doesn't exist. But it does exist. We exist. I exist. And they want us to believe in these terms because we are the ultimate tofu people. We've been strip mined from our ethnicity, tribe, country. And now they want our culture too. Who does that? What I'm saying is that we are living in the matrix. You and I are children of kidnapped victims, living in a kidnapper's house on a plantation. Believe we are the children. What plantation, you, you ask? America. Full of potholes to enslave our minds anew. And the master has just said, He's colorblind with a black friend.
Thank you very much. <laughs> That was Ensa R. <laughs> uh, put your hands together again for Ensa R. All right. Okay, so now uh, M.E. Miller. Please put your hands together for M.E. Miller. That didn't come off my 15 minutes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Add 60 seconds back on there. Let's see what we're going to do here. I don't need these glasses. The first thing, um, um, thank you all for uh, inviting me here. I have a picture here that came out of uh, Jet Magazine. Uh, this is my grandfather, U.E. Miller, right here. And here they're purchasing the building that Martin Luther King did his last speech in. He was a, a bishop. He was very wealthy and he died a year before uh, I was born, I believe. So it's just uh, very interesting to know that your uh, grandfather was the architect and the secretary of that particular uh, building. So I'm going to share a few words from Martin Luther King before I uh, get started. I should. Here we go. And then I got to Memphis, and some began to say the threats or talk about the threats that were out. What will happen to me from some of our sick white brothers? Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it doesn't matter with me now, because I've been to the mountaintop, and I don't mind like anybody. I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. And I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Thank you. I just wanted to open with that uh, particular um, poem. Uh, secondly, this poem here, the writing you see is from Gwendolyn Brooks. Uh, she dissected my work and told me how to rewrite my poem. I didn't like it, but I found out that she won a Pulitzer Prize and that she had to write. I didn't know who she was when she did this. And here she asked me if I thought I was a good a writer as Langston Hughes. So that was a lot. And I kept this all those years. And then she wrote me three or four times after that. And she ended with a four-page letter. So I try to keep this uh, to remember. Uh, and she told me in 30 years I would understand uh, what she was talking about. And I didn't even think I would live that past that year. But she told me in 30 years I would understand some of the things that she was going through. 
So I'm going to read this poem that I sent to uh, Gwendolyn Brooks. I hope it stays up. 1555. Mama, the men come on ships, Mama. They bring gifts, Mama. No, son. They bring death. They bring a great curse to our land. They take our people to a far away place. Their screams return to us in the wind. But mama, we will fight them. Birth of the Blues. My grandparents gave birth to sorrow. During the Middle Passage, defying sea captains who cursed harsh reminders while tossing their bodies to a sea more kinder. Praying and singing as they jumped, hearts beaten mournfully pumped. But onward marched the accursed seed, holding to hopes of being freed. Singing from within the chastening hymn, we bid you, our God, do save us from them. Crying and sighing with bleeding hearts torn, reaping and weeping, the blues are born. My grandmothers taught America to lament. She sat by the Mississippi and created the spiritual. Scrubbing and scraping for the master's wives, yes, mamming and no surring all their lives. Smiling all the while with hidden resentment, sharing with only God her discontentment. Subjecting herself to the beast's seed while upwardly praying her lineage freed, parting her thighs for the tyrant's charms, praying he die there in her arms. Coping and hoping and paying our dues, waiting and anticipating the birth of the blues. My grandfather taught the new world to reap. From his heartfelt sorrow he made jazz, laboring intently in the heat of oppression. While at his feet a seed grew without detection. Bending and bowing to avoid the pirate's rod, spirit calling, where are you, God? The master overjoyed at his servant's keeping, for slowly awakened a race in sleeping. For out of the trodden soil, Annette Turner grows, and then comes a Marcus from the dust below. Inwardly turned and outwardly torn, all this dying and crucifying. The blues are born. My mother gave Harlem a song. She opened her mouth and gave birth to the blues. The oppressor prized his singing commodity, but never quite understanding the profound black oddity. Staring with awe while the caged bird would sing, mistaking for joy, sorrow's piercing sting. Her children eyeing the oppressor with malice unshown. In the dark, the seeds of their anger become full grown. No one aware of what is to be a strange twist in our history. A Martin cries, a Malcolm is born. A song of hope for spirits torn and all watch as the blues are born. My father showed white folk to labor. He created gospel from his upwardly cry, told of a God in a home across the sea, but also dark and distant in his black 
memory, growing intolerant of the oppressor's hand, demanding the respect due to a man, hanging like fruit on southern trees high, lynching crews laughed as they watched him die, not knowing that the blood that fell to the dust below would make a thousand seeds to rise and grow, awaiting my mother who somehow made it through two people about to give birth to the blues, the reprise. I must teach white folk a new hymn before the vines of wrath choke the fruit, vague my sojourn but not forgotten, for after the apples eaten the core grows rotten. The blood of my people like the river flows, feeding the anger in the least of those. For passive winds grow fervent and shake and toss the mighty sea. Oh, would that you be observant and make my people free. For surely the God ordains that we break your wretched rule. Glad to meet you, oppressor. I am the blues. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and now, I'm going to lighten the load a little bit. I can do a little slam every now and then. I'm going to read um, eventually something from this book, um, they wouldn't let me be white. Hopefully if I have time for the final poem. This is called, here we go. I don't know what the title is. Um, many years ago, uh, they created two clowns. One was called Jim Crow. And the same artist also came up with the second clown. Uh, his, his name was Zip Coon. So there's two clowns and one of them was the overeducated Negro and the other one was the the, you know, kick me in the behind Negro. So after 50 years, we killed the first clown, the Jim Crow clown. We, we fought to kill that one. But recently, someone decided we're going to bring back the second clown. Uh, that was Zip Coon. So now we have a new name, which, and as I said, it's worse than the N-word. And that is the, the Coon word. And I'm going to explain why that is. The Coon thing is the N-word put us all in one boat and called us all the same thing. The coon word, it, it separates us by our status, our Republican or Democrat, our religion, our this or that. So I am going to read this poem in honor of, of, of us calling each other uh, coons. Here we go. Mr. Ellis, how do you plead to the said charges against you? There are those in the black community who say that you forgot your origin and that you are no longer um, black. They said, M.E., you ain't black no more. They led me out the courtroom, past Tariq's rib house, past Muhammad's funeral home, past the liquor store. Three sheriff's deputies, they opened the van door. My own family couldn't even talk to me no more. Lawyers said they did all they could. They took me to the edge of the hood, across the street. Only prostitutes shed tears. Al Sharpton, Jesse, how did I get here? 2016. 
They said, you fell off. You've been hanging around too many white folks and your rhymes are too soft. You haters remind me of cheap cigarettes. You make me want to cough. But I ain't Usher. And you make me want to leave the race I'm with and start a new relationship. This is what you do. Why the Ku Klux Klan show me more love than you? Mr. Ellis, what is your defense? You are in a court of law. You say, Wesley Snipes ain't black because he only like white girls. Kanye ain't black because he moved out of black world. Bill Cosby ain't black because he told you to put your pants up. Eric Holder ain't black because he said put your hands up. Dr. Dre ain't black because he don't live in the hood no more. President Obama ain't black because he don't give you what you asked for. What did you ask for? Michael Jordan ain't black because he charged too much for shoes. Yeah, girl, I saw him with them Jews. Your Honor, he is clearly ranting. Continue. Easy E ain't black because he moved to the burbs. Steve Harvey ain't black because he and Paula Dean shared words. Charles Barkley ain't black because he said stop looting. They even said Malcolm wasn't black and the nation started shooting. Gabby Douglas ain't black because her hair ain't pressed. Xavier ain't black because he got 1600 on the SAT test. Why are we only black if we under arrest? Y'all haters is a mess. Objection overruled. Diana Ross ain't black because she don't visit the hood. Well, you might have a case with Tiger Woods. But anyway, Condoleezza Rice ain't black because she supports the CIA. Don Lemon ain't black. Girl, I heard he gay. <laughs> How can I be black if I go to jail then lose my black card if I go to Yale? How can I be black if I sell rock on the block? but can't come home to the hood if I sell stock. How can I be black if I'm on welfare, but white if I move my kids to Bel Air? The black Titanic is sinking, y'all in the boiling room drinking. Y'all need to hear yourself thinking. I was black before rap, before crack, before it was trendy to be black, before Run DMC could rap, before you was a hood rat. I was black before Katrina, before Ike slapped Tina. I was black before the shy lights saying, have you seen her? Before Trayvon and Pookie and Rayshon, before Tukey got his electricity turned on. We was black because we held on. I was black before the Jeffersons, before Miss Brady had stepsons, before Black Lives Matter, before the hood was shattered and good dreams were scattered. And we was all looking for the latter. Now, what's the matter? And black was not determined by a policeman's gun, but by the hearts we won. I was black before Colin dropped a bomb. And you on YouTube calling me Uncle Tom? I remember the bean pies, fish sandwiches, and the Panthers when we had the courage to find answers when front porches were quiet. And you going from city to city, stealing diapers and riots? Oh, this is only your first riot. You killing 14-year-old girls on lawns. How you gonna call somebody an Uncle Tom? I might have to use my GPA to save you from the KKK. <laughs> I was black before good time, before Run DMC knew how to rhyme. Emmy, you are being charged by your community for being a sellout. Do you know the seriousness of these charges? This poem is over. My metaphors are tired and my similes are pissed. <laughs> You haters cause more pain than a sadomasochist. So when I bend over, if you still think I ain't black, you can give my, your honor, this case is dismissed. Do I have one more or am I done? Where's my time? I have one more poem. 
I'm going to throw it out. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you so much for your thing. I'm going to close with this final poem for uh, Maya Angelou. Uh, it's in favor of the uh, inauguration. So here we go. Maya Angelou poem. Maya. You were so beautiful, standing in front of the president and the first lady. I didn't really understand your pulse of mourning presidential inauguration poem. I kind of got lost in the dinosaur theme. Poems about mastodons don't instantly inspire black dreams. But those Harvard and Yale bullies came out the next day to criticize your iambic feet and how your syllables don't repeat. But in the South, we were taught to defend our grandmothers when they crossed the street. And I wish you just could have read and still I rise. Would have loved to seen the look in Bill Clinton's eyes. And your calling of names poem would have, I would have loved to seen, would have given Colin's blood pressure a rise. <laughs> and Dick Cheney would have just laughed. Or, or if you could have read Chugga Chugga Chigga, Get Me One Nigger, I would have laughed as Hillary's eyes got bigger. And part of me was hoping for, and still I rise, part two. But since you are gone now, the dinosaur poem will do. It was really a beautiful poem. I was never captured by your autobiographies. I always struggled with caged bird themes. I thought it was more about women than black dreams but I did like the movie. And when it is over, white poets will say that you were not as graceful as Langston or Gwen or Rita. And black poets will say you were never as angry as Nikki or Sonia or as political as Baraka. And the legacy people will scramble trying to find a place in history for the sweet dancing black woman that stole our hearts and sold a hundred zillion books, took pictures with Malcolm and Martin, so I write this poem to beg their pardon. And of course, they'll name a few inner city schools after you. <laughs> and there will be a Maya Avenue in at least 30 black neighborhoods. This will be good. And I'm sure there'll be a Maya Angelou library on a Martin Luther King Boulevard near a Malcolm X cemetery <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> and on your birthday, Politicians will congregate and celebrate just like they do for Martin Luther King. But they still won't get why the caged bird sings. 60 honorary doctorate degrees and both Harvard and Yale never saw you. They say your work is lacking in invention. And in the company of Riding Bishop and Edna St. Benson, your sweet name will never be mentioned. And for the rest of my life, I'll have to wonder how the Pulitzer Prize escaped you for more than half a century. And 10 years from now, I will be working in my office, and a bird will land on my windowsill with wings of yellow, green, and blue. And if it smiles and dances and sings like it's free, then Maya, I will know it's you. Goodbye, Maya. No more cages for you. Thank you all.
All right. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. A little bit. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, this is Sean King. Put your hands together. We are while we get training. <laughs> How you guys doing? Great. Well, it's MLK Day. His birthday was yesterday. See people been getting their march on and walking around. You know, the march goes through the New Oak Park. It goes through the New Oak Park. The anybody even know what the New Oak Park is? The New Oak Park is the Oak Park that uh, the old people from the old Oak Park are moving out of. And now you put signs up to say Oak Park, and you put um distilleries and breweries and things like that in the middle of Oak Park. And so the people that used to live in Oak Park can't afford to live in that part, that, uh, that part of Oak Park. You know, then you have the indivisible, so people that don't really come to Oak Park come in for the monthly meetings and all of that stuff. But anyway. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Let's just get to it. Sirens rang through the night. The brute strength of the wind wrestled to uproot the mighty trees. Dogs, in perfect unison, serenaded the moon. The sky lit up to the rhythm of the melodic tune. Scuffling of running feet, men, screaming, yelling, fire, rakes, shovels, rock throwing, shotgun brandishing, determined. What could have made these people so angry? The heavy panting of a heavy set man cutting through the wind, grace of a gazelle. Graceful, strong, long, beautiful, powerful strides. Desperation glaring in his eyes, dogs snapping their ferocious jaws at his ankles, rocks just missing. What could have made what could this man have done to make these people so angry? What kind of brute could this be? A kid directly in the path of the brute and the mob, too young to comprehend the danger, not old enough to move had he understood, helpless, carefree, the crowd inch closer, flash, the brute. The man, the hero, one fell swoop, the kid's legs dangled in the sky. The hero had hurled the kid to safety. What could this compassionate man have done to make these people so angry? The mob, the dogs, more determined than ever, caught, beat, killed, poor innocent man. What could this man have done to make these people so angry? The mob never once removed their satin hoods from their heads. What could this man have done to make these people so angry? All right. So we're gonna, we'll touch on a, a few different things. I have lots and lots of opinions about Martin and Malcolm and Garvey and just all over the place. And so when I write poetry, I'm going to share it the way I write it, which is I may write about love one minute. I may write about blackness another minute. I may write anything. It's just whatever comes to mind, I think, as a poet, uh, you just have to really be free to go ahead and write um, you can work on making it a masterpiece after you get it out of your head, but sometimes you just have to get those thoughts uh, out. And so if I jump a little bit all over the place, it's just because that's the way my mind works when I'm writing. It's, if it's two o'clock in the morning, and uh, that's what we're doing. There's no introduction needed. My name is not important. There's no need to bother with finding out who I am or to praise me or to place me on a pedestal or act as if I've accomplished anything. You see, I've done nothing spectacular. I've been to no mountaintops. 
Save no lost folk, save no lost souls, had no life-changing transformations, rescued no slaves from their enslavers, carried no crosses. The only thing I've done right in this life is love you, and even that could have been done better. There's no introduction needed. I'm just a man. My soul tells me there is more to life than making money, but the media overpowers me. The cars allure me. The hot chicks that come with the fat checks is just too much for me to ignore. I am a slave, mentally not able to break the cycle, not able to respond to my calling. My life is a struggle trying to balance my gifts. I'm indecisive. Do I give my gift to the world or get paid? Do I indulge myself in the world of material, stack my cheddar, ignore your plight, and then die rich but alone? Or do I join your struggle, live unselfishly, give all that I am to improve all that we are tirelessly plotting and writing and marching and fighting for dreams that I myself may never get to see and then die, loved, but alone. There is no introduction needed. I'm just a poet from a time when there was no memorization, no stage names, no alter egos, no gimmicks or hooks, no audience, no finger snaps, no hand claps, no applause, and no one cared but us, and our words flow freely, freely from our souls to our hearts, to our minds, to our paths, and in our journals, and then through our lips, uttered nervously in lightly whispered tones to our families and close friends, and other shaky-handed poets in coffee shops, in the corners of bookstores, and outside on street corners surrounded by the aroma of nicotine sticks. We were God's vessels without followers. Masters of our crafts, writing our heart's desires in the incomprehensible vernacular of our soul poured out in ink on pages like African hieroglyphs only to be discovered and analyzed and heard long after we have passed away. There is no introduction needed. I am just flesh and bone. Angels write scripture on my soul and like a piece of metal I conduct symphonies of electricity with little resistance. I stand under the bright lights surrounded. I stand under the bright lights surrounded by symbolic sculptures passing heavenly messages to you passing heavenly messages to you all while staring at your booty. Yes, I am a contradiction. I am a vessel trying to save your soul, but the desire of my flesh results in modified messages that have been manipulated for the purpose of messing up your mind. I am nothing more than a well-polished pimp, a capitalist using words to build entrepreneur empires and buy big houses and fancy cars with personalized license plates to say shit like badass black poet. There is no introduction needed. I'm just an artist living in this moment, struggling to find my place, clinging to my poetic innocence, remembering when poetry had limited marketability. Before the open mics and the slams and the nightly venues and the feature performances and the chat books and the CDs and the Love Jones and the appearances on Apollo and the Deaf Poetry Jam and the actors and the beef. Poets have beef. <laughs> Before everyone adapted the same fast flow, slam in your face, delivery, bam, goddamn, before the scene exploded and integrity eroded and the words were still true like the people who whispered them in the coffee houses, who wrote them in the journals, in the notepads. I remember when poets were broke. Well, shit, poets are still broke. <laughs> and passionate and shy and nervous and real. There is no introduction needed. You see, I'm just a man. And if I were worthy of an introduction, I would quit my day job and use these words of truth like scalpels to perform open heart surgery on our children teetering on the brink of destruction. If I were worthy of an introduction, I would take these words and attach them to a cause like free and political prisoners who have been wrongly incarcerated. 
If I were worthy of an introduction, I would use these words to attack sex trafficking and child abuse and poverty and immigration law and police brutality and world hunger and genocide and war. If I were worthy of an introduction, I would use these words to convey love, real love. Not back rubs or hot tub massages or cooked dinners or caress feet or wine trips or roses or blue violets or all those surface level activities that we usually t use to define love. But love, never turn your back love. There for you in the tough times, love. Spam and beans. Remember spam wasn't like good, it wasn't expensive. <laughs> it's crazy, right? You go to the store and it's like spam, $5. It's like, man, what the hell is that? Is that bacon? Nope. Nobody knows what kind of meat spam is, but anyway. <laughs> there, for there for tough times, love. Spam and beans and liver and tang and tough skins and hand-me-downs and Langston Hughes, mother to son, love. If I were worthy of an introduction, I would be more than just a man, more than just a poet, more than just flesh and bones, more than just crafty words of finger snaps and packed auditoriums and applause. If I were worthy of, a, if I were worthy of an introduction, I would be truth in its absolute state. Until then, don't introduce me. Don't say my name. Don't praise me. I'm just a poet, and I am not worthy. So I'm going to mix in a couple of, uh, so by career, I do engineering, I do computer engineering. Uh, and so when I write, sometimes the mathematics and all of that stuff also in, you know, it's, it's not really separate. We're really just one person, right? It's not like you go to work and you say, I'm just doing engineering, you put the engineering hat on, and you go home and it's like you write and you fight for revolution and it's, then you go be a father. It's really all combined. You know, you have to be able to intermix all of those worlds together and really that's, you know, complete. So... Real short, I studied physics to learn what angle was needed so that the parabolic trajectory of my arrows of love will fly just beyond hate's reach and land perfectly in your heart. Do you understand the value of science now? Let's <laughs> <laughs> keep a couple of short pieces. And, you know, and, and we're going to use language because Lawrence kicked it off, so we're going to do that, too. Don't worry. Um, it's English, anyway. It's incomplete. It's not, you know, it's not the first language, so it's just words, right? It's funny when you, um, you know, my political views, my human views is, is more humanity for me than politics. But it's funny when you get into these uh, discussions with people, you know, they're like, liberal. And I'm like, man, I grew up being called a nigga, so that's supposed to hurt my feelings? You're like, liberal! <laughs> Come on, man. People in their labels, like, they get mad and they want to throw a label at you. Like, that's supposed to box me in. Like, Ugh. Come on. God created man. Man created race. God created love. Man created hate. God created birds and bees, water and trees. Man created guns and drugs, money and disease. God created time. Man created a clock. When the clock stops ticking, does that mean God's time will stop? <laughs> so this piece, uh, short, another short piece, it's called Gangster Rap. Um, it's America, right? It's and so we, we look at gangster rap. It's, it's funny. So I do these workshops with um, youth, you know, and we all talk about millennials and how millennials don't do this and millennials don't do that. And you need to pull up your pants, do all of this stuff. Um, but, I, you know, I sit down and I talk to youth. And it's amazing to me because the things that they're dealing with, 
are things that was created before they were ever born. And we blame them, you know, for the conditions that we basically put them in. Uh, you know, and it's, so, you know, we look at gangster rap and be like, gangster rap is ruining America. Racism and patriotism are lovers. Hiding behind the pulpit, pimping freedom in his name, one aim. Free labor, mass riches, old school gangster, most slaves, pimping ain't shit but hoes and tricks. Grab pussy. Fuck bitches. Where do you think gangster rap got it from? America. <laughs> All right. So we'll do, um, we'll do just a couple of, couple of things here. Yeah. It's at the Poetry Center, so I'm feeling like a little poetic today. <laughs> um, well, no, I don't want that one. Let's see, what do we want next? I just threw my whole order off. Let's talk a little bit about King, and then we'll... So, everybody's marching for King. And this time of year, we see the dream speech. And we see, you know, Republicans are like, King, King, King is the greatest ever, right? Right. And everybody is out here and they're talking about King, but people really don't, I don't really think people understand what King stood for or why he was murdered to begin with. Um, I think King could have lived to be, Dr. King could have lived to be 100 years old if he had stayed in a racial lane if he had only talked about civil rights. Because there's civil rights leaders that are still living that was there with King. So what made him different? What made him different is where he stood for humanity. Yeah. You know, um, actually, let's, let's go, let's do this. Because, you know, since I'm going to get on the topic, I might as well just actually share what I had wrote, which kind of explained where, I'm, where I stand. They assassinated a man for what he believed in. And I wrote this yesterday, so it's still fresh. And what he was willing to do to bring those beliefs to life. They gave us a holiday in his name while acting like they share the same beliefs he shared. All the while, they continue to act and think and implement policy that is in direct contradiction with the things he'd fought for. They continue to drop bombs and conduct oppressive activities both internationally and domestically. Oh, Dr. King. The great American hero whose legacy has been neutered just enough to make it palatable for the people. Oh, Dr. King, you should see your legacy now. The people eat breakfast for you. They march for you. They take the day off and in some cases even conduct service for you. They recite your dream speech and speak of unity, but they don't understand you. Oh, Dr. King, they don't look at poverty and the people in the cardboard cities pushed out of our sight just enough to be ignored the way you looked at them. They don't look at the militarization of the police and brutality. They don't look at the militarization of the police and police brutality and senseless attacks of the people on uh, senseless attacks on people by those who went from protecting the people to upholding the law, even at the expense of killing the humanity of the people the way you looked at them. They don't look at war and violence and the idea of sending our youth to fight in meaningless wars that aren't really for the American people the way you did. They don't look at us other human beings the way you did. Oh, Dr. King, when they see you, they don't see the Malcolm in you. They don't see the Panther in you. They don't see the Equiano and the Sojourner and the Frederick and the Dubois and the Nelson, and the Chavez and the Che and the Desmond, the Malala or the Black Lives Matter in you. Those are all part of you. 
They don't know that although we all fought against oppression using different means, that what you wanted for humanity was far more similar than different. Oh, Dr. King, they don't see you as the revolutionary that you are. They don't understand that you stood for that what you stood for beyond civil rights is the reason you were assassinated by the government that celebrates you today. Oh, Dr. King, I see you and understand that our fight is not over. I stand on your shoulders because I too dream of something better. So. All right. Actually, let's, since we're on the thing, actually, all right, let's do this. So we have a new administration. You know, lots of talk about getting rid of affordable health care. They call it Obamacare or whatever. Lots of talk about, you know, rights and what rights and building walls. And it's crazy, right? Um, I like that building walls thing because it's, you ever been to a gated community and everybody in a gated community feels all safe? Like them little bastard children you're raising ain't the reason why, you know, ain't the ones out there causing trouble, living in your own house. It's like you're building a wall to keep who out? You're already here. You cave. Shit. The native, you know, the indigenous population should have built the wall to keep you out. Then maybe, maybe America would be safe. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, an, it's just really an interesting thing because it's, it's you know, like even when they talk about these Muslim attacks, right? These are people that were raised and born here, typically. Yeah. Right? And they're not really practicing Islam anyway, so we should throw that out the window. But it's, it's ignorance, you know. Um, but one of the rights that we're going to have a lot of talk about, let's, let's, she aborted. Rather than have a child born into a society that would fight for the child's birth but neglect its life. Yeah. For that, she was labeled a monster. By the gun-wielding pro-lifers. Relentlessly protesting her choice. She was low income and uneducated, so they assumed that she was just irresponsible, having sex without conscience for pure pleasure and then aborting to avoid the responsibility of raising a child. They argue over the specifics of when does a life become a life while supporting a death penalty that does not deter crime and time after time has aborted innocent lives. They stand hypocritically on their pedestals, condemning women for their actions while ignoring the details of their own heinous past. Every woman killed in the name of being a witch was an abortion. Every lynching of an innocent soul was an abortion. Every death resulting from the Tuskegee experiment was an abortion. Every murder of an indigenous human being as a result of smallpox blankets was an abortion. Every young soldier killed overseas under the false pretense of stopping terrorism is an abortion. Every presidentially sanctioned bomb dropped from an unarmed from an unmanned drone that took the life of an innocent human being in the name of war yeah. is an abortion. Every child who dies senselessly at the hands of starvation in America, starvation in America is an abortion, an abomination by us. And yet we stand on our pedestals condemning her for her choices, for her lack of humanity, for her carelessness. In reality, she may be the only one among us who feels guilty about the life she took. Who is the monster? Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, still going. All right. So put your hands together for straight out scribes.
is my freedom? Yo quiero escribir en todas las lenguas del Where mundo. Is my Yo quiero hablar en todas las lenguas del mundo. Yo quiero quit. pensar en una lengua Don't diferente del inglés, la lengua de capataces de esclavos. Yo sé que no puedo aprender todas las lenguas del mundo, pero yo aprenderé todas las lenguas que yo puedo. Soy una hija de África. Greetings, my name is Dejabu. I'm Dr. V.S. Chochezi. And together we are Straight Out Scribes. And we're here to share some positive vibes with you. Thank you all for coming out. This is a card for Mumia Abu-Jamal. He's still ill. We're still trying to get him hep C treatment. We're still working on that. But everywhere we gather, I bring a card and I send it to him so... There's a pen on there, just write, get well soon, or whatever your sentiment is, and you can write all over it, and I will send it to him. So, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yes. And uh, thank you for all the poets so far. They bad. They bad. Emmy Miller, bad. Sean, inside ah, Sean. They've said it all, okay. So I'm gonna ask you some questions in my poetry. We do that a lot. How did they get over on us like that? How did they get over on us like that? How did they trick us into feeding our children cow's milk instead of human milk? How did they get us to think it was all right to put chemicals in our food? How did they put that over on us? How did they get mothers to start feeding their babies chemicals made from things they couldn't read, let alone pronounce, and then feed the children boxes, cans, and jars of things that made from some of the same madness? And how in the name of all that is sane did they manage to get us to sit in front of a square box and not move for hours at a time when nobody wants to be square? And movement is our essence, is our heartbeat. How did they get over on us like that? Got us wearing the same clothes? Everybody wearing the same clothes, trying to be unique while looking the same. <laughs> like we all shopping in the same store. And they keep us buying more and more because we got to have these. They're the latest, greatest made by poor people to keep them poor. So we don't have to wear last year's gear and we can be on it. Yeah, we on it all right. I mean, we on drugs big time because they're raiding marijuana fields at the same time they're putting drugs in our food. Caffeine, sugar, caffeine, sugar, artificial color, artificial flavor. Now let me see. If it's got artificial color, artificial flavor, dipotassium, phosphate, mono, and diglycerides, does that make it real food? I don't think so. How did they get over on us like that so they could sell us straight nicotine and hamburgers full of hormones and clone fruit sprayed with pesticides and waxes and the taxes we pay to die are killing me? 
Can't you see why our youth don't feel no way about taking people out today? They are not connected to humanity the way we were. We are probably the last generation of people raised on real food. Probably my generation. <laughs> Sorry about the rest of y'all. <laughs> How did they get up on us like that, making us have to buy water? Humans are more than 70% water. How do they manage to pollute our water so we have to pay to drink water? Don't you know with our birthright to have clean water, we can drink free? Now let me see. If we can't drink the water, we can't breathe the air, we can't eat the food, and we can't even afford a decent place to live unless we make about $50,000 a year, where does that leave us? It leaves us with youth that have BHT and sodium nitrate instead of blood in their veins. Cold-blooded, ain't it? How did they get us to make zombies out of our children so they would buy whatever is dangled in front of them in the music videos and woe is me as they proceed to kill people like turning off the TV by remote, like turning off their computer, power off everybody or delete, delete, delete their minds, say after watching cartoons that make buffoons of everybody and playing video games that kill and destroy old and new life forms, delete, delete, delete as they murder their own souls, losing control of the fire they've been sitting on, wishing it was them with the Uzi jumping out the window, blazing up the bad, good, innocent with music in the background, driving the flashiest new car, winning the war, the game, the man, the woman, and they sit on that fire staring eyes fixed until the flame goes out and in a blue light day as they go out staring eyes fixed glazed to buy something they have to buy something anything a candy bar, a box of cereal, a bottle of beer, breath mint, cigars, cigarettes, a knife, a gun, anything, anything, anything anything to make them feel like a superhero. How did they get over on us like that? And who are they? Greetings, Poetry Center. All you beautiful people. Thank you again for inviting us, Emmanuel. Um, those who don't know us, we are mother-daughter poets. Been doing this for 25 years. Thank you. And my mom just pointed out to me that she was about my age when we started doing this. That's really crazy, right? That's like, you know, that's like, I don't know, paradigm shift. Thank you for that, mom. She blew my mind. So I want to do a poem. I haven't done this poem for anybody before. It's political, and I'm going to use the word capitalism a lot. But I think y'all can handle it, okay? Let me know, though, afterward. If I should not do it again, I won't, okay? It's called... <laughs> Don't act like you know me. Okay. This is called Democracy Denied. Can y'all hear me okay? Okay, I, I'm gonna stop playing with the um, straight up, straight up is best. All right, I'm gonna stop playing with the microphone. Okay, 
Being a proud American and marching on Wall Street seems contradictory to me. America is about capitalism. Capitalism promotes haves and have-nots, approves gazillionaires and homeless, filthy rich and utterly poor in the same town, same family, same organization. Capitalism is the American way. So how then do you get to complain when those with capital can get away with murder, thievery, even stealing the presidency? Ted Kennedy, Tom DeLay, Bush, Johannes Marcel, who shot Oakland's Oscar Grant, proving those without capital will be beaten, jailed, denied their rights, and put to death. Delbert Africa, Ramona Africa, Leonard Peltier, Mumia, Amadou Diallo, and Troy Davis, and I'm not saying I know the answer, it just seems nonsensical to me that we condone some to own four summer homes, three media outlets, two jets, three superstores, an island, two yachts, and mounds of stocks, all while enjoying huge tax breaks and filling their bellies with top prime steaks while children go hungry, public education is shoddy, more than 14 million are unemployed, millions are losing their homes, and we believe thousands march off to war to protect democracy. While in reality, it's all about the capital. Yeah. The almighty dollar stands behind the red, white, and blue. So your protest of the WTO, the IMF, and Wall Street ends in your arrest. Attacks on the free press. And it feels like, honestly, democracy is overrun by capitalism. We can continue to be dominated by lust, envy, and greed, fearing socialist ideology while crying out for, cap for equality, but capitalism is king. Okay. That's not... Is this not the right Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, 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 I never chopped cotton back bent to the sun the and never cried for children plan. sold off the plantation. Yet Africa brings land. thoughts of home. The Songs unsung, work undone. For those African shores do I long. Yeah, 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 yeah,
plugs, right? We got books, y'all. <laughs> we got books. We got um, Mudflies Roots, which was our 25th anniversary book for sale over here. It's $15. Oh, I can read upside down, but everybody can't. And I'm just going to add to that 51 poems apiece. 51 poems apiece. Yeah. In, in this anthology right here. Right. 51 poems. Yeah, feel free to jump in. Thank you. <laughs> but that, that, that came off of your minutes. <laughs> and our newest, this is, uh, people kept telling me I need to write a book, so I did. This is by Stajabu. It's called Caldonia's Daughters. It's a sci-fi anthology of poetry and short stories about seven black women on different planets and stuff, doing all kind of stuff. And... Uh, it's a fun book, ten dollars. It just we just got it the other day. We'll be doing the um, book launch on March 11th at the Goss Studio in Del Paso. We're gonna sci-fi out, futuristic, all that. You know, we're gonna have a good time. So, I got cards on the table with those dates on it. So feel free to uh, grab one. You'll see it on Facebook. Call me, text me, whatever medium you use to communicate. But I can telepath for those who <laughs> can, who got it like that, okay? Y'all ain't getting it, right? <laughs> I can tell. I see I'm getting a lot of blanks up here. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I know one especially is thinking some really crazy stuff about Mary, stop thinking of that. <laughs> okay they trying to run a game on us you know it ain't right always talking about some war they want us to fight while our air is polluted the water is bad and they got more chemicals in our food now than we ever had they talking new speak fork tongue politics to keep us all distracted with their dirty tricks Big money people talk taking over control. This was written a long time ago, too. TV and newspapers and sold their soul for money and machines, not to mention oil, causing blood to run on many nations' soil. Every day you see where someone got caught, lying, stealing, cheating, or somebody got bought. They got a scandal over here, a scandal over there, here, scandal there, scandal everywhere, scandal, scandal, Enron here, Dubai there, here, Katrina there, BP everywhere, scandal, scandal, Walmart here, Wall Street there, FDA, CIA, NSA, NRA, everywhere, scandal, scandal. Throw your fists in the air and pump it like you really do care. And if you believe in justice and you believe in peace, everybody say, oh yeah. 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 This is called On the Other Side of Grief. It's, a, it's an older poem, uh, but you may have heard it before, but hopefully you still enjoy it if you've heard it before. On the Other Side of Grief. <laughs> At the door stood an enormous figure wearing welcome thin. He raised his fist, bam, knocked once, paused, then knocked again. 
On the wall of the shop was an empty spot that only moments before had held shame. Shame was the gun that killed the king. The way they did ML was a tragic thing. Next to shame, only moments ago, grief had hung with pride. Grief was the gun that killed El Hodge. Sad, 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 the way he died. On the other side of grief, just an eye blink away, had been mounted the gun of sorrow. This was the gun that would have come to kill another great man tomorrow. But out of a trap door, a door labeled hope, too strange and odd being sprung. They took those guns and one by one, quick as a flash, turned them all to ash. Then they raced outside and snatched that welcome mat right from under wide-eyed confusion and strife, who then crumbled away like sorrow and shame, never to return again. Then those strange beings hung peace, in big letters outside above the door. They spoke only once, and then they spoke no more. They said, live and let live, without grief, sorrow, shame, or strife. And then they were gone from sight. Okay, we're going to be at Luna's Thursday, and we're going to close out with tonight. Thank you, everybody, for coming out in the cold. In the cold? So when it get to be 100 degrees, remember this. <laughs> Can anybody hear me? Can anybody hear me? Does anybody feel me? Is anybody listening to what's going on? We gotta stop okay. before it's too before late. It's too with late. love, with love, 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 love. Can anybody hear me? Does anybody feel me? Does anybody feel me? Is anybody, Is anybody listening, listening to, what's to what's going on? on? We've got to stop hating. Before it's too late. With love, 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 love. love. Can anybody Can hear me? Can anybody hear me? Does anybody Does feel anybody me? Feel me? Is anybody, Is anybody listening, listening to, to what's, what's going, going on? We've got to stop hating. Before it's too late. With love. 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 love, love. Try. Love. 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 More. More. Love. 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 And peace. Thank All right. Uh, can anybody hear me? <laughs> okay, so that was it. Uh, that's how we do it here. It, yeah, so put your hands together again. All right. So, of course, um, I'm still here, so take your time. Uh, chat with the poets, buy books. Please buy books, uh, and so on and so on. Thank you for coming.
What was it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're the tech queen kings, right? The district. I know. I'm okay. It's so hard to say. Yeah.